everybody. This week we talked to Dexter De La Paz, or Paz. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Dogman Respector, or you can listen to his podcast at the Gaslight Hour. Um, all of those links will be in the show notes or at dissectingliberty.com slash 38. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dissecting Liberty podcast. Uh, today, uh, Zero and I are joined by uh, one of our favorite guests, Dexter De La Grug, otherwise known as Paz. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been cooking up that that uh that little tidbit right there for a while. That little cold <laughs> open. Yep, that's right. So, uh, Paz, what do you think about uh? Uh, getting grugged and grugging. I think that in the day and age that we live in, here in the modern world, mm -hmm. it is extremely important not to capitulate to the news cycle and as such to keep morale high in whatever ways and whenever possible. And if that means inventing a new bit every single day, you <laughs> and the boys, y'all dive right the fuck into it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Liberty Zero didn't uh didn't uh engage in the in the the grugging. The grugging. <laughs> You're right. And don't you do that like with Snapchat or something? Yeah. I don't word. even know. I just sent Bird a photo and he did it for me. It's FaceApp. <laughs> oh. FaceApp. Oh, okay. The Chinese app that Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Be careful what well, you, you say know. about the Chinese. We're on Zoom right now, so you're right. You're right. Well, there goes that conversation point, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, not even dark Tom Woods this time. It's the Chinese. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, do you remember like what we were originally going to talk about? Pause. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember the topic that we talked about talking about. And uh, I say we could do a pretty underwhelming run at it. But like I was telling Cotton Zero, I've only got until uh, 8.30 here to record. So oh, okay. we can either give it a light treatment or we can just kind of riff. But what we were going to talk about is a little bit of esoteric American history and the possibility of early America being an owl. Okay. Uh, I have a suggestion then. Uh, I think we should save that and uh make it a a bigger episode and really get into it but for now we can just kind of hang out that yeah. sounds good to me yeah it yeah, deserves we'll, uh, the full treatment there's a yeah, lot of yeah. things that people don't know about the royalists in that first couple generations of american government yeah yeah the the extent of my knowledge when it comes to the topic that we had discussed was basically a dangerous history podcast with the uh Prof. CJ's like history on the uh, American Revolution, and that's about that's about it in terms of uh, not not alternate history, but uh, well, look, I history love that you don't Prof. learn about. CJ, I love CJ to death, 
But, uh, you know, you best believe that there's a lot of stuff I'm prepared to go hog wild on that <laughs> people who have more respectability and a bigger brand can't dare to touch. You know, <laughs> a very specific need in this community. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll do that. Share some links in the Twitter chat and, you know, hopefully yeah. we'll get that in the next few weeks. So I, I do have a topic that we can uh, we can talk about. I have recently I've been finding it really hard to be optimistic. Oh yeah. And uh, so pause right now for people like me. Uh, do you have any advice or things to keep in mind? Because you always seem like a pretty pretty happy guy, you know. Well, I'm glad that I've been able to project that for the people foolish enough to follow me on social media. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that at the key of real happiness, it's gonna sound super cliche and it's gonna sound like lifestyle guru bullshit, but it really all comes down to a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. And if you can't muster perspective for yourself, then I'd say it's important to muster perspective for others. You know, I think one of the really underrated keys to masculinity and being satisfied as a dude, I can't speak for the gruggets in the audience, but uh, one of the real keys is the embracing of responsibility and the embracing of virtue. And if I can show for just a moment, I think that that runs perfectly in conjunction with the concept of King Friday that I'm mm -hmm. sure everyone has seen around. You know, it becomes much easier to be happy and satisfied with your life when you are able to actively support the people you care about. And I don't necessarily mean that in a tangible, physical way. But as we know, that's not even necessarily the key to happiness. It's really about being able to support others and be able to show them the positivity, thus finding the positivity in yourself. Hell yeah. I'm all about King Friday. So is, is that a good introduction? Is that the kind of stuff we're looking for here? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and part of this uh, for me is the coronavirus stuff is getting to me, not worrying about whether I'm going to get it. Like, I don't care. But I mean, I, I assume I'm going to get it, you know. Uh, that is if like i don't know okay i here here's another question uh do you think that um getting the coronavirus is like a real threat so and we'll get back to what we were talking about but i just to get this out of the way yes and i am going to say it for these reasons as someone who has been watching this develop and their narrative around it change constantly since January. You know, I was way fucking out in front of this before a lot of the Johnny come lately's mm -hmm. and I've got podcast appearances to prove it. But I think it is absolutely a threat. If for no other reason, then we still have literally no idea what the long-term implications of this are or what the virus actually is. You know, it's still predominantly understood to be something that affects your lungs through the ACE2 protein receptor. 
But even then, we've seen counter contrarian evidence where it causes brain damage because it can also be carried in the blood through the blood brain barrier. So, you know, even if the mortality is low, and I'm not so sure that it's as low as people are trying to make it sound, I think that even if, if we accept their best case scenario, that's still not a reason to be nonchalant about it because we don't actually know what it's doing to our bodies. Okay. Um, because I know that, like, I'm not incredibly worried about getting it. Like, I'm not, I don't think it is uh, undangerous, you know, but I, I do mm -hmm. think that at a certain, I'm, I'm, I'm more scared of getting the vaccine than I am of actually getting the virus. Yeah, um, and I mean, I can agree with you right there, you know. I wouldn't say that I am an absolute anti-vaxxer. Mm-hmm but I don't get any of them that I don't feel like I absolutely have to have. And that includes the flu vaccine. I don't bother with it ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you no. Know, and regardless of how safe they're rated, I talked with uh, Dutch about this and dark yeah. Tom actually was on that episode too. We talked a whole bunch about what we do and don't actually know about vaccines and how they work. And, you know, it's, pretty well established that some of them do plenty of good for a person and it's not like they're a death sentence to get but the idea that they don't have their own side effects or risks is also ridiculous to think at this point yeah i remember listening to that uh podcast when i was driving back from childerberg um but like and and th this is what i've been leading up to is i'm not incredibly worried about getting the the uh kung flu but what i what is getting to me is just like i'm you know i'm in school and i don't know what that's going to entail like i just i my my entire future is incredibly uncertain right now and and that's getting to me as it would get to anybody and i know i'm sure a large portion if not a small majority of the population feels the exact same way to some degree, you know, yeah. and it's, 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 it's not sustainable, you know? It's definitely not. And I'm right there with you. A lot of people are still in the mindset where they're acting like there's going to be some kind of rebound, a quote unquote, return to normal. Mm. And I'm not chilling the new normal because I think that's an idiotic fucking concept. But to think the world's just going back the way it was is also dumb as hell. I'm at the point right now where I'm leaning into the Gibbs laws of economics be damned. You know, if everything's burning and the, the state and the powers that be have shown a willingness to just torch it all at this point, they don't know what they're doing. They're flailing around. I think that no matter how much uncertainty is present, they're going to keep throwing Federal Reserve notes at the problem until it goes away or it finally finishes collapsing. So that actually creates a wonderful opportunity. You know, if you don't have bills to pay, take those Trump bucks and buy some Bitcoin. And all of a sudden, you're so far ahead of the game that it's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of scary stuff going around. But really, this is... This is like the last stop at the train station. This is your chance to really set up for things. 
in a way that maybe your means wouldn't traditionally allow you to do so. Because like I said, they're just gonna keep throwing fiat at the problem. And fiat's gonna stay valuable as long as the normies think that there's going to be a normal to go back to. Yeah. Um, do, do you have anything to add to this, uh, Zero? Like, how have you been doing? I, I know uh, you just had a big event, and uh, I, I'm sure that has uh, been very uh, uplifting. But yeah, <laughs> how, how have you been throughout this whole thing? Well, uh, I mean, I, you know, I was texting you the other day about uh, buying land. And uh, that's mostly just so that I can be as far from they far from people, but less reliant on people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like I mean, like you're talking about, you're not like you're, you're getting like you're trying not to be blackpilled right now. And, uh, I'm kind of at the point where I am and, uh, like I'm trying to be, let me, let me stop you right fucking there. I'm not accepting any black pill talk from anyone. You're going to fucking make it King. Even if we have to drag you to the top with us, I just got done saying, this is a time of unprecedented opportunity for all of us, man. And if you've got some stuff stocked away, grab that land with both hands. That is the only good on the planet that you can't make more of. Yeah. See, look at that. You're already ahead of the curve. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of what I've been thinking about a lot lately is uh yeah, just being as self-sufficient as possible and um you know, just being at that place where I can avoid uh some of the stuff that I think is coming down the line. Um in terms of Did either of you guys get on the Kickstarter for Morlock Publishing's homesteading guide? No, no, I, I've never I heard, heard of that. that. Oh, man. Okay, I'll tell you more about that later. But if it's something you're curious about, it's, well, the Kickstarter's closed now, but I'll give you the name of the book and maybe you can grab it when it comes out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds something good. that seems keenly tuned to your interests, if it's something you're thinking about so heavily and with some degree of immediacy from the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, and it. So it's something definitely like within the next year is what I'm kind of hoping, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, More yeah, good news just... for you. Another white pill. <laughs> Land prices are going to fucking crater too. Yeah. What are? Land prices. Braces? Prices. 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 Oh, prices. <laughs> <laughs> well, I totally misheard both words on that one. Uh, anyway <laughs> yeah hopefully and and right now they're not low but i mean just everybody's buying like i mean houses in my area at the very least may stay on the market literally for less than 24 hours wow well everyone's grabbing now because they think this is the bottom of the market yeah but if you wait till about the end of september or so when the eviction moratoriums get lifted, mm-hmm. people are being thrown out left and right. I mean, it fucking sucks for them. But that land, those houses, they're going to be cheap. I mean, think about all the Airbnb super landlords. They can't afford to hold on to all their property with nobody traveling. Mm-hmm. 
there's going to be shit on the market for pennies left and right, probably for the next year, starting once we hit September. So, mm. yeah, that's true. Well, you know, with like trying not to get too far down in the dumps here, but uh, like, for this is a question for each of you, like how, like how do you see the rest of um, this COVID situation, uh, like? Uh, panning out do you think that there's gonna be more lockdowns like how how far or like how long do you think that this is gonna keep going i don't think that that anybody can afford to have another lockdown like i don't think the government has enough fuel in their tank to support another like incredible dip in production like that you know so and, here's uh, the deal. I think they throw another try at lockdowns, but I don't think it actually happens. Because yeah. the only way to make a lockdown work is to keep sending checks. And you've seen how hard it is to rip those motherfuckers out of their hands, unless you're a defense contractor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, I, and also, I don't think, at least in in my area, I can't I can't say uh, to the rest of the country because it's almost as if like there are uh, incredible amount of different cultures in this one country of ours. But uh, in my area, if there was another lockdown, I, I genuinely do not think people would adhere. I just I, I think a hell of a lot of people would say fuck it. And they're like, I, I don't care. I'm going like, I'm going to keep my business open. I'm still going to go to work. I'm, I'm going to go out to eat. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. I, I, I do not think people would, would play along because right now uh, we have a mandatory mask order and people are very hesitantly and reluctantly uh, uh, adhering, but it's been in effect for three weeks now, I think. And uh, on the first day, everybody was wearing a mask. But since then, I'm seeing less and less uh, people wearing a mask. Like uh, uh, I had a family member that uh, went out and about, ran some errands, and they forgot their mask. And they were like, well, I'll, I'll see what I can get away with. And they went into banks and, and businesses and not wearing a mask. And nobody cared. I mean, like the only place around here uh, that is really, uh, uh, really hard about it is Walmart for whatever reason. But like, well, that's, that's I, just I, a corporate stance they've taken around the country that they're actively yeah. enforcing it. Well, I heard that was it Lowe's, Walmart, Home Depot, some some of those bigger stores have actually um, they're, they're, they've decided they're not going to enforce that the mask uh, yeah. wearing anymore just because. <laughs> And and not that I'm cheering this on, but uh, they they decided against it because there was too many violent incidents mm-hmm. of them, you know, like their employees. Boomer uh, cons getting fucked yeah. up over it. Yeah, <laughs> boomer cons getting yeeted at the Walmart. Mm-hmm. Well, so, we have a cop out in front of our Walmart that that makes sure everybody's wearing a mask. That's a little weird. Yeah, that's why but, uh, I don't go to Walmart. So I talked with Anarchist Garage about this. I think it's really important to emphasize to people because Liberty Twitter and Liberty Social Media seems to have an 
bend towards inherent contrarianism and also yeah. an extremely short memory on top of that. <laughs> and I would just like to point out to all of them and say again, also on your platform, if you'll permit me, that masks are good, actually. And just because the government is telling you to wear one doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. Because if anyone can stretch their little pea brains as far back as March, they'll re remember that every government in the West and the WHO and all these other motherfuckers explicitly told you not to wear one so that they could literally buy up the domestic supply for themselves. And that's why people are wearing cloth masks. That's why people are all making their own because the government told you not to wear it so they could fucking buy it. Now, yeah. now all of that being said, this is still fundamentally an issue of, issue of self-sovereignty. So if you don't want to wear it, I'm not your dad, and I'm not telling you you have to. I'm just asking you to fucking remember how we got to this point and maybe question what the narrative is now based on what you should have already known. Yeah, and like I, I'm definitely not going to argue with the, the fact that they wanted to buy up all those masks. Um, like I, as far as whether it's all that useful, um, I do think that if you are symptomatic with COVID or, you know, any other um, virus or, you know, disease that can be spread through like coughing or something like that, then like, yeah, that's, it, it would be useful for that. Um, but in terms of like a, in terms of its efficacy otherwise, or even like the wisdom of wearing one, um, like if you don't, if you're not symptomatic or, you know, like you just don't have it, right? Um, like, I, I think that the, the, the cons outweigh the pros on that just because you're, you're basically, uh, you know, after like 20 minutes or something like that, you're all the bacteria and, uh, the moisture is building up on that mask and, and you're just, it's a breeding ground for bacteria and you're just breathing that in, especially like the longer that you wear it. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts. I mean, what, what do you guys think? I mean, I think that's a load of hogwash, and I think SARS-1 can prove that if you look at the robust mass culture in all of East Asia. Mm. But, you know, granted, we're all fucking anti-senophiles here in America. God forbid we acknowledge the wisdom of the Koreans or the Japanese <laughs> or the Taiwanese. I might remind everyone that Western, the Western world only found out about the Wu flu because of what happened when the Taiwanese health minister, or deputy health minister rather, was browsing their version of 4chan. Yeah. So, you well, know, I, I, I think oh, it's I haven't heard this. Dude, yeah, that's how the Western world found out about it. China, it, the outbreak started in December. I don't give mm. a shit what anyone says about it starting before then. And this is me taking a personal opinion on that. Okay. But then, that literally, days before Christmas, the Taiwanese deputy health minister was literally browsing an image board that they've got there, a popular one, right? It's yeah. literally the equivalent of Taiwanese 4chan. And he saw posts from people in China talking about it. 
And so they immediately, he got with his boss, the actual health minister, whatever they call that cabinet position there, got with him. They looked into it and they had their fucking full on mask mandates within a week of that. And, you know, then take that and run the Taiwanese numbers against A, what we know about China, despite knowing for a fact that it's also worse than what they're reporting. Run those numbers against Italy or France or any of the other places, Iran, that got absolutely hammered. I think you'll see right there the absolute difference. Now, people will say it's because of track and trace, but that doesn't make any difference because track and trace programs are, first of all, fascist. And even if they weren't fascist, they would also be legitimately ineffective because there's no way to actually trace a specific virus until it presents itself. Otherwise, you're just tracing random symptoms that could be caused by any number of things. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think about... um... What, what, what do you think about the strategy? So, right, there, there's two different strategies. The traditional one, since people have known about viruses and, the, and they knew enough to come up with a strategy, the, the traditional strategy has been that you, uh, you watch who's being affected most by a virus, right? And you isolate mm-hmm. those people. And then everyone else, you allow them to continue their daily lives, um, allow uh, allowing us to gain her, uh, herd immunity and you know that at that point you're not passing it around to any great degree yeah the and, vulnerable uh, po- populations right I, th- I think that that is actually a strategy i like and favor and the only reason i would be at all skeptical of it here is again we just don't know what the long-term ramifications are of this particular virus you know we've been dealing with various flus for hundreds of years, you know, but we've never seen SARS version two, which is literally what this is. And, you know, Mm -hmm. between that and to go back to, again, let's talk about the actual origins of this thing. People keep forgetting about the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We don't know what this thing is and we don't know what it does. So I would err on the side of caution with this specifically, but endorse the strategy as a whole because it's really the only viable plan to keep society functioning as we know it and to try and protect our supply chain infrastructure that keeps everything running. Well, okay, so you're saying that like your main concern with this is that we don't know the long-term effects, right? Yeah, that's my that's my biggest hesitation about the entire COVID-19 thing. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not concerned anymore that it's going to kill in great droves though i Mm -hmm. was initially and i will say i do think deaths of this have been underreported, not over reported yeah but that said i'm still not concerned about a uh, black plague level of die-off i'm just concerned about health ramifications as a direct result of infection a few months from now a couple years from now increases in excess mortality just as a result of having had it in the first place. You know, I just, I want to know what this does to us long-term and there's no way to know it because it's never existed in the world before. Yeah. Um, well, uh, can, so I have a question and this is mostly just because I'm ignorant of uh, diseases for the most part. I'm, I don't pay attention to it much. I'm a fairly healthy guy and I don't worry about it. But uh, 
do you have any examples um, of other viruses, specifically viruses, right? Um, where there are long-term effects um, versus just the short, you know, just like a virus with short-term effects, right? Well, it should. I mean, smallpox and polio are both viruses, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's something that, yeah, okay, that'll permanently, like, uh, disable you just to some degree. Yeah. But, like, I guess, I guess a better question would be, this has been here for a few months. Are, are do you have any examples of a virus that, like the the, uh, the like the long term effects are slow to reveal themselves? I'm not a medical historian. I'm okay. not really right. in a place to comment on that. Though I no, would okay, say yeah. that even as even as this one has uh, demonstrated to us, Iran is now seeing or Iran, rather, is now seeing cases of actual reinfection of people mm. who were assumed immune. So mm-hmm. between that and the facts of uh, chronic fibrosis of the lungs after having been infected and recovered, between that, between brain damage in some patients, and between the natural risks of just being on a ventilator at all, I'd say that there's a uh, huge risks of atrophy at the very least at uh, damage to your circulatory system a damage to your lungs themselves though again again we can't say any of that definitively we've only got anecdotal piecemeal cases of it to this point and that's that's why we should be concerned because we just don't know and again this is all strictly speaking my opinion and i realize it's going to be quite controversial among the circles we run in Right, yeah. Well, uh, one one final thing um, before, like I, I've kind of hogged the mic here, and I'll I'll let Cotton get back to it. But uh, <clears throat> like in terms of the uh, the recurring cases, right? Where we're, you're talking about people catching it again, and that's something that we've seen as a uh, you know we've seen like different headlines about that here. Um, my my only or i guess my counter to that is that uh like i think it's the i think it's the cdc was the one who admitted that uh basically all these this covid tests they're not actually testing for covid-19 specifically and that like you can get a positive result if uh you have any any traces of a corona of a coronavirus in your system so do you think that might account for you know this talk of recurring uh recurring cases? I think it certainly could, and for that reason, we should actually be all the more careful because it's mm. worth noting that a lot of these tests that we're getting are actually imports either directly from China or second hand from China through via European nations mm. and you know our own testing production is ramping up. But my understanding of it is that you're correct, and there's not a specific one for SARS-CoV-2 or whatever the full virus name is. And, you know, that creates all the more reason to be cautious for this exact reason. That means a lot of people think they've tested positive or been positive in the past, and they might never have had it at all. 
And that's going mm. to lead to a lot of false confidence if we're not careful or mm, if okay. we don't yeah. understand what we're dealing with. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see where you're coming from there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, fair enough. Uh, so uh, before you have to head out, pause. Uh, yeah, I got another 10, 15 minutes. Okay. I have one thing that uh, gave me a little hope recently. Oh, I want to hear this. Hell yeah. And, and, and it, 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 uh, it applies to you too. So, uh, you know, I am in a discipline where I plan on getting my PhD and I'm an intellectual, uh, even if that's hard to believe, but I, I'm in one of those disciplines. Um, and I was thinking about, like, as you were saying earlier, just, you know, screw it. It's, the collapse is coming, you know, let, let them help you out as much as they can before, you know, they collapse. And, and, uh, I'm sympathetic to that argument, but what, uh, what may bring people down with that is the collapse. You know, things will be different. I think people will feel like they have been cheated, but what I think they are not seeing is the massive amount of opportunity. Like I am, uh, I'm in psychology and I have major issues with academic psychology. Like most of academic psychology is just a lie. It's fake. And it's, 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 the, it's, re the replicability crisis comes yes. from psychology, correct? Yep. That was the origin of it. Yes. And it, it's, uh, a lot of the same issues in economics are felt in psychology, that being the, the uh, uh, replicability problem and also the uh, empiricism is an issue. Um, so for me, a possible collapse in like the university system and like the dethroning of the intelligentsia is incredibly um, exciting for a radical like me that feels that I have a better view of this field and I, but right now I cannot uh, write about it or, or make that stuff known because I would be blackballed, you know? So, yeah. and I, that, that gave me a bit of hope and it, it will, it will not be an incredibly happy time if it happens soon. A lot of people will be out of work, and I'm sure there will be a lot of cornered animals that will lash out. Uh, but it, it is exciting for radicals like us to to gain to be on somewhat of an equal footing again with the the people that rule intelligentsia. You know? Yeah. So here's the thing, right? And I said. Last time you two so graciously hosted me that you need to homestead your mind. Mm -hmm. And I'll mm -hmm. say this time that you need to actively homestead the world around you. And I use that as a metaphor or a manner of speaking to say that you need to not just, you know, all that new age hocus pocus about pushing out your intent and having the mindset to do something. You need to actually do it. Because there is no mistaking that bad things happen when societies collapse. But at the same time, the only people who need to fear living in the aftermath 
are people who were never free before. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are capable or even merely have the desire to live without the crown in your life, you're already set for what it'll look like afterwards. You just need to worry about dodging a little bit of falling rubble while it happens. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that I, I really like that idea of, of homesteading your mind. And, I mean, that that is basically just the whole idea of being red-pilled, right? It's just being able to and i mean it's a it's a a weird phrase depending on the context of who says it you know yeah well i mean it came out of the quote-unquote manosphere where everyone was trying to pull club skanks that's the origin of the term i don't really <laughs> like it in that context because i've always got Roosh and cernos and all those motherfuckers old blog posts from like circa 2011 suck in my head when someone says red yeah but like when, when I use it, I mean, um, you have been exposed to a truth and it's not necessarily just a, like a factoid or something like, like the, the war in Iraq was evil or is evil. You know, it's, it's not something like that. It's, it's just like a, you, you were exposed to a framework that changed how you observe things in your life like it was a it was a uh an unexpected reprogramming of of how you look at things and it it made you notice certain things that you'd ne- you'd never noticed before and that that's what i mean by by red pill but and i think that is a, a very similar idea to homesteading your own mind like a hell of a lot of people uh realized that the emperor wasn't wearing clothes you know and and that's i would argue people in our community um and i think that is not solely what they need to do or we need to do but i think that is the first step in yeah yeah it's great to to talk the talk but then you gotta get ready to walk the walk with it right yep yep and i i do think like I wrote an article recently about uh, what I called social media libertarians, you know, people that, that adopt a political ideology because they really like the memes and whatnot uh, or fall into the group on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, literal egregore victims. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's a, that's a harm because then, uh, like, because they don't really stand for anything. Like, I, I, I said, uh, like the quickest to join a movement is the quickest to leave, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. that I, I was talking to, uh, do, uh, do you know the insurrection Inc podcast? Yeah. Kind of tangentially. I'm aware of them. Yeah. They're, they're good guys. I was in, I was in Auburn recently with two of their hosts or no, three of their hosts. And that and, was uh, while you guys were doing Mises you or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was uh, talking this idea out with a uh, Stratton from Insurrection Inc. And he was saying like, that's the, that's the uh, libertarian to alt-right pipeline. You know, these people just kind of float from ideologies based on memes, you know, and then they, mm-hmm. they, and also just like, they like the idea of being radical, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, 
maybe even more so than alt right i think the one to really look out for and this is a small critique this might be a little niche but uh i think the better example is libertarian to neo reaction pipeline. yeah but, yeah and yeah uh i mentioned nrx and dark enlightenment and all that um oh well perfect you and me are already on a wavelength then aren't we Oh, hell yeah. I read uh, The New Right recently, and then that sent me down a couple of rabbit holes. Uh, and it, it really kind of connected a couple things for me. But uh, yeah, and I, I think uh, I think a big thing that, that a lot of people in our group need to do is read, which like, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, duh. But <laughs> I, I think people just need to read, you know, like read Marx, read Rothbard, read that person read this person you know just just read yeah, you, know, you know and even better than reading theory because that takes so much formal in the moment actual processing mm -hmm. i want to show my homeboy too actually the og the goat himself robert heinlein yeah because it's easy to digest fiction it's yeah. written simply and it will always leave you thinking because you'll see what he's trying to present to you behind the entertainment images without being forced to digest literal math formulas in the process. Yeah. And then on top of that, sort of his spiritual successor, the finest sci-fi author still with us today, Travis Cochran, and the Powers of Earth books, the Aristolus series, you guys, you got to check those out. They're so good. Follow him on Twitter, Morlock Publishing. The guy's fantastic. Yeah, uh, and uh, in my opinion, Dostoevsky is is very much in that line. Uh, really great fiction, but there's there's a hell of a lot of a lot of forces going on in the background. You know, whether it be like. Uh, Notes from Underground, which a lot of people really like because it's short, or, you know, Crime and Punishment, just this real dense book. But there's a hell of a lot going on behind this uh, uh, fiction story, fictional story. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I um, I got the Moon is a Harsh Mistress audiobook recently, but I'm going to have to buy the actual book. Because, yeah, and that's uh, what my entire social media brown brand was based around you know i call myself fucking de la paz after the character bernardo de la 